Welcome, welcome to the Linen Suit and Plastic Tie Podcast. This is the podcast where we dissect and analyze the power of storytelling and learn how to harness it to supercharge our everyday lives. I'm Gaurav. And I'm Kevin. So Gaurav, um, I recently found out about this very interesting instrument called the kazoo. Do you know what that is? Uh, I do because I see you holding it in the camera right now. Okay, so for those of you uh, listening, you might not be able to see what I'm holding right now. But... Wait a minute, did you just say for those of you who are listening, you might not be yeah. able to see? Well, <laughs> Wait, I who's don't know. watching you right now, Kevin? <laughs> well, you never know. Anyways, if you don't know what a kazoo is, it, it looks like um, some kind of whistle. But what's really interesting about this instrument is people would think that you play it as you would play with a whistle or a flute. You would try to blow into it, but actually, you're not supposed to blow air into it. That's not going to uh, make any sound on the kazoo. So what you actually do is you sing into it, and there's this um, film on the kazoo that will resonate with your vocal cords, and that's how you make a sound out of the kazoo. So if you want to play a tune, uh, you would just sing it into the kazoo. So, for example, do 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 do. There you have it. Um, so that's the story about the kazoo. This is amazing. Uh, for some bad story, Kevin texts me and a friend of ours. Um, he's like, "Hey guys, I, I just found out okay. that you." Sophia's Sophia's been on the podcast, so we can say. Okay, fine. So Sophia. he texts Sophia and I. He says, "Guys, you can sing into a kazoo. Did you know that?" And then, of course, five minutes later, he's like, okay, I ordered 10 on Amazon. Um, he has a little bit of a shopping problem, Kevin. Okay, they only sell them in dozens. It's not okay. like I had a choice. Yeah, you could have also not bought a kazoo, but whatever. Um, I'm also super curious, Kevin, how are you going to make this about story time? Let's see how you can do this. Well, see, that's funny because um, a couple of weeks back, we talked to a musician, Greg Pliskot, <laughs> about storytelling in music. So kazoo, as one of the simplest and honestly cheapest, um, I, I wish there's a commercial deal here that I can plug. Uh, if you sell kazoo, find us. We can strike a deal. Reach out to us. But you know, this instrument is one of the ways you can tell stories, and music is one of the most, um, you know, long-lasting and fundamental ways of storytelling. But continuing on of our storytelling quest. Gaurav, who are we talking to today? This week well, on our podcast that is not about kazoos, but that is about storytelling, we have a truly amazing guest. I, I honestly think he's like the keynote speaker of our podcast. His name is John Booker. Dr. John Booker got his PhD in mythology and deep psychology. Um, he is the definition of a storyteller. He has dedicated his life to the art of storytelling. He even has a book on Amazon right now called The Storytelling Almanac that is doing similar things to what we're trying to do, which is teaching people to become better storytellers. He's the creative director of the Joseph Campbell Foundation, and he is truly an expert in every sense of word, an expert storyteller who's worked with HBO, DC Comics, A24 Films, The History Channel, and so many more. And it was so intense and so amazing that Kevin and I looked at each other and were like, there's no way we can fit all of this into one episode. This is our first ever 
two-part episode, everyone. Yep. This is going to be the first two-part series in the Linen Suit and Plastic Type podcast. Let's get into it. Part yeah. one with John Booker. Today we have John Booker. I would tell you his story, but I should really leave it to himself to tell his own story. So, John, to start us off, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? What is your story? <laughs> well, my story begins in the great state of Texas, uh, which is not acting so great lately. But uh, <laughs> when I was born in in Texas. Um, uh, things were were in some ways even very different than they are now, and um, I, I began my journey um, with with low expectations. I guess you would say uh, there was a tire factory out on the edge of town, and my entire goal in life was to one day maybe get a job and go work in that tire factory. And I thought, maybe, maybe, maybe if I could get a job at that tire factory, I could maybe one day earn enough money that I could talk some woman into marrying me. And that would just be, you know, the 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 rest of my life. That would be it. And if you had told me back then that one day I would be living in Hollywood uh, helping tell stories and, and be a a mythologist and professional storyteller, I, I would have never believed that. But I think that's the great thing about stories is a good story leaves us guessing and we never know how it's going to end. And my story has been that definition of a good story with the highs and lows, the ups, the downs. My story it has led me to all these unexpected places and adventures. Now, I, I left Texas when I found out that I could. Kidding. I left when I, <laughs> I uh, um, when it was time for college. And I, I lived in Colorado for a while and then moved to New York for a while. But I, I pursued storytelling in a number of different fashions. And when I finally made my way to Hollywood and was working in the entertainment industry here, I'd really fallen in love with storytelling and wanted to I wanted to go into a deeper research mode for storytelling. I, I wanted to have a deeper understanding of story and I wanted to understand stories from around the world and how they were alike and how they were different and why some stories tended to appear in different cultures around the world. So I decided not for uh not for employment gain or to advance my career, but I decided to go study and get a PhD in mythology and depth psychology so I could study story on a much deeper level. And a lot of people ask me, you know, John, what is a mythologist? What, what do mythologists do? Mythologists, we are they that study the stories around the mystery. And what do I mean by that? I mean, what is the mystery of life? What does it mean to be a human being on this planet? What are we doing here? What are we supposed to be doing here? Why are we here? And I know a lot of people have, have asked that question throughout history, and many have come to the answer that it's all meaningless. There's no purpose or meaning to any of it. I challenge that answer. I tend to disagree, and perhaps the purpose is in the search itself. 
perhaps the purpose is in the adventure itself. I studied a, a great deal of, of work by a man named Joseph Campbell, who's probably the, the best known mythologist that ever lived. And Joseph Campbell once said that most people are not so much looking for the meaning of life as they are the rapturous experience of being alive. So I would suggest to the two of you today that there's something about story that we we understand a greater sense of what it is to live and not just to exist. I think there's a great difference between existence and living. And stories give us a deeper picture into what it means to actually live and not just exist. Wow, that's that was amazing. Um, I uh, I love that idea. You know, as you know, through this show, we keep asking what is storytelling, what is stories. And it's kind of why we asked that first question and why that first question is so vague with what's your story. And we ask every single guest the same question, the same worded right off the bat, because we use this to frame the conversation. Because we learned really early on is the way we describe our own stories tells us a lot about our values and the way we see the world and the way we understand the world. So I loved hearing your explanation and hearing about how core storytelling is to you and understanding how it connects to the meaning of life, which is something we obviously full-heartedly agree with. Yeah. It's really interesting, you know, when you think about story as so connected to the meaning of life, because in a sense, stories are, are how we make sense of the world. I mean, stories... Are, are what we tell each other about who we are. I, I create stories without even thinking about it. Living here in Los Angeles, I'm, I'm constantly in traffic and people all the time cut me off. And immediately when someone cuts me off in traffic, I always have this sense of story that comes to mind and says, ah, that person meant to do that. They, they know me personally and they have, they have made a decision to, to hurt me and to, to make me angry. And I personalize this story about what a terrible person that they are. Now, I don't know that person. I, you know, I have no idea about who they are or their journey, but my mind begins to tell me stories about them. And, and it's the same way with, with, you know, who I am. I create stories about who I am. I, I create narratives um, by the way I use my voice, by the way I use language, by the way I, I present myself, by the way I dress. The, the clothes I wear are a story. The food I eat is a story. Everything I do crafts a narrative about who I am and how I exist on this planet. So. I've sort of given up the idea of what is a good story and what is a bad story, because so many times in my life, I thought I was living out a good story. And in the end, it turned out it really wasn't a good story. And so many times terrible things have happened to me in life. And yet somehow they ended well. 
And, and it turned out to be a great story in my life. So I, I've come to find out I don't always know what a good story or a bad story is in my life, but I do believe that every person in every situation is capable of being a better story. And that's what so much of my work centers around is I, I, I don't know if I'm in a good story or a bad story right now, but how could my story be better? How could I tell a better story through my life and the way that I live? How can I tell a better story uh, about the world that I'm living in? How can I tell a better story uh, through the actions that that I that motivate me in dealing with you? You know, I, I want to tell a better story through my life. And I believe the same principles that we learn make better stories in narrative, they, they tend to apply in life as well. And that's been a large embrace of my work. You know, you bring up a really interesting point with the idea of the stories we tell ourselves. And it's something we talk about a lot. And I think for me, my first like interest came from this through meditation and mindfulness, where a lot of that idea of being present is understanding how we are driven and kind of controlled by the stories we tell ourselves. Yeah. And the way a lot of our stress and anxiety comes from kind of reverberating those stories, telling ourselves these same stories over and over again. And it's so important because that's a lot of way we shape the world, our moods and how we tackle things are these stories we tell ourselves, these narratives we get trapped in. Yeah. Well, you, you, you say that very well. And I would agree with you in saying that mindfulness brings us into relationship with other types of stories we might not have encountered before. So mindfulness for me first was introduced through uh, yoga and meditation. And for me, I grew up in a culture that I was never exposed to yoga and meditation. So when I began to study the stories of other cultures, and I began to read stories from the Bhagavad Gita, from the Mahabharata, from all these different wisdom texts that throughout the ages, e even texts you know like the uh, Tibetan Book of the Dead, I began to to find wisdom and understanding about what it meant to be a human being on this earth. And those readings led me to understand practices of yoga. They led me to understand practices of meditation that come from Eastern traditions that I didn't grow up with. This is why I think it's so important to begin to understand and learn and embrace stories from outside the circles that we grow up in. Because when we learn of stories of others outside of our circle, our lives become richer and our, existent on, our existence on this planet becomes more profound and meaningful. You know, um, I think this, this is something we talked about a little bit. We had someone on our show, uh, Kevin Burke, who's a Emmy-nominated uh, producer of animated superhero television, so like Spider-Man and like My Little Pony and like some of these big characters. And something we talked about with him was that the importance and the, the, the gravity and responsibility of writing stories for children. Yeah. Because these stories, like television, animated, uh, things like that, is a lot of the ways these children see, like you were saying, other walks of life. And it's why representation matters so much is because often kids are in the same circles, right? They, yeah. And we see with social media and other things like that, the echo chambers people can get locked in, how important it is to tell 
diverse and complex stories to children so they can understand the world so much better. Yeah. That, oh, you bring up a, a really important point. Um, you know, one of the, the books that shaped a lot of my thinking about the stories we tell children is a book that was written uh, in the last century by someone named Bruno Bettelheim. And it was a book called The Uses of Enchantment. And it really dealt with this idea of, of how dangerous it was to sanitize fairy tales for children. And Bruno Bettelheim was one of the first voices in my life that began to suggest that when we sanitize fairy tales for children, we actually are selling them a lie about the way that the world works. And it builds all sorts of false expectations, and it, it does not allow the type of maturity that people need to experience in order to, um, to, to become functioning healthy adults in the world sometimes. So if we look back to the ancient traditions all, through, all over the world, but especially ancient traditions that go back to West Africa about the different rituals that young people were, were put through in order to become full members of their tribe, those rituals often involved traumatic experiences, experiences that involved uh, um, facing death, uh, experiences that were, were sometimes uh, involved cutting off some of the flesh. Sometimes they involved blood, they involved fear, they, they involved danger. And the reason why is that that catalyst moment in a young person's life would then teach them more than years of words could teach them. And in a sense, the, the fairy tales, if we look to the original fairy tale uh, of, of, say, the Little Mermaid, the Little Mermaid is a, a story that uh, ends quite tragically in the Hans Christian Andersen version of the, the fairy tale. And even before then, uh, when that fairy tale was just told orally, um, that, that fairy tale ends quite tragically. And I think the, the, the Disney version of that fairy tale is quite problematic in a number of ways because it sells us a G-rated lie as opposed to offering us an R-rated truth. Mm -hmm. And I believe we, we sometimes have this... Uh, fear that children will be traumatized by being exposed to certain things. And as much as we might try and avoid the traumatization of children, it happens, it occurs, and it's part of the maturing process. Now, I'm not saying we should all go, you know, put uh, Quentin Tarantino movies on for children and, you know, ha have them watch uh, the, the worst violence and sexuality. And I'm not saying that, but I'm saying that we we have perhaps erred too far on trying to protect children from the types of stories that are important to their growth and their maturity. And I think we become exposed to those stories um, in a healthier way when we step outside of our circle. This problem has been more of a problem uh, in American stories and westernized stories. We don't see this so much is a problem uh, from stories that come out of uh, the East, uh, from the Middle East, from Africa, from um, Eastern Europe even. We don't see this problem so much, but this is, uh, I think, part of the, the problem with the 
uh, puritanical influence that America uh, has had, you know, historically in their history. Yeah, you know, I'm a big fan of, you know, the original fairy tales. Um, for me, my kind of passion for storytelling, it started with comic books. I was a huge comic book fan. I still am. Um, I, I, I love the history. I love the stories. Um, and we can definitely go in a rabbit hole. And we have on many episodes about this. But, <laughs> yeah. um, I'm, and then so that branched out into mythology as a whole. And I started, you know, reading and a lot of, and I, I love fairy tales. I love Grimm's fairy tales. It's really interesting to see that difference with like the Disney-fied Little Mermaid versus like the one where I think if I remember correctly, she became sea foam at the end. Right. Uh, <laughs> and it's such it's such an interesting kind of paradigm, especially now as you see Disney kind of try to modernize it a little bit more and kind of pull back a little bit and tell more complex and real stories. Yeah. Because it's so important that we do, and it's that responsibility we were just talking about. It is. It, there is a responsibility in it. I'll say this. Um, the use of storytelling and the deep study of storytelling is a dangerous business. Stories are dangerous. There, We have seen throughout the history of the world, um, demagogues and evil leaders use stories to rally thousands and thousands of people to unjust causes. And I would say those were, were men, and they're almost always men, uh, who, who chose to use story in very cunning, evil, and deceptive ways. People have, have come to recognize that stories are more powerful even than the truth. Some people will embrace a powerful story that is a complete fabrication. It's a complete lie. And I think we we get into really interesting waters when we start looking at stories versus truths. Because, you know, truths uh, are, are in the realm of, of the philosophical. You know, there, there's been all sorts of debate uh, throughout history about absolute truth and, and, you know, what is true, stories don't concern themselves with truth. Stories often can be what I would say, stories can be more than true. In, in a sense, um, I could say, you know what, I love my partner so much, I would go out in the street and lay down and, and die for her. Now, am I actually going to go down in the street and lay down in front of traffic, you know, for my partner? No, I'm not going to do that. But you get the point because what, what I'm saying there, the story I tell with that is more than true. And sometimes this is the case with myths and fairy tales. They are more than true. Did, did the myth of the Little Mermaid ever really happen? No, of course not. It, but it doesn't have to be true to be powerful. Myths, fairy tales, they're more than true. They speak to us on a level that rationalization in history just does not. And that's why they're dangerous as well. I think those of us that wield stories have a great responsibility to the world because we wield a powerful weapon in wielding a story. And it's one reason, again, I have made the goal of my work to tell a better story. I want to leave this world 
a better place than I found it. And I believe one of the ways I can do that is with better stories. Yeah, that's definitely a very profound mission. And so it's also good to know that uh, our storytelling podcast happened to be stumbling upon, you know, one of the most dangerous businesses known to them. We, we like living off the edge like that. <laughs> Those are the fun ones. The dangerous businesses are the fun ones. Oh, yeah. That's right. That's right. If you're if you're not doing something, you know, that that has dangers to it, are you doing anything that matters? You know, mm -hmm. I, I think anytime you're going to take on work that matters, there's an element of danger to it. And to me, storytelling is a dangerous business, but it's a business that is worth taking seriously. And it's a business that is highly, highly risky and highly rewarding as well. I can't think of a better thing to be doing in my life than helping to craft better stories in the world. And sometimes I craft those better stories with the stories of others and the media that I'm helping to produce. Sometimes I help craft those stories, uh, you know, for companies and through consulting. And sometimes I craft those stories in coaching other creators in trying to help them deliver a better story in their own journey and their own lives. And it's easy for us to sort of separate these things out and say, well, entertainment is one thing and work is one thing and marketing is another thing and our lives and our experiences are another thing. And there's truth to that. But I also look at these things as a holistic one. I look at these things holistically. It's hard to separate and divide my passion from story from my personal life. It's hard to separate my work from who I am because I've worked really hard to holistically embrace the, the, the essence of, of my passions into my work. So these things become very personal for me. Welcome back to Top Hat. This is the part of the episode where we dissect and analyze some of the key learnings from this week's expert storyteller. If you're a fan of Lynn's student Plants and Tie, and you're like, wait, what happened to Suspenders? Suspenders is the segment where we ask our guests a fun and random question that has nothing to do with the conversation. Well, because this is a two-parter, we are saving Suspenders to the end of part two. So if you're really looking forward to Suspenders, first of all, thank you for looking forward to Suspenders. Second of all, tune in for part two where we will ask John a really fun question. But for now, let's dive into some of our learnings. Kev, it was so great talking to John this week in both parts because, you know, uh, we really got to geek out on storytelling. We just got to talk to someone who takes it as seriously as us. And we saw, like, his entire amazing world storytelling. Yeah, I mean, I really like the fact that we're doubling down on this meta route about storytelling. You know, since our last episode was Avery Truffleman about storytelling and podcasting. But now, storytelling itself, but on a very grand scheme in such so many different angles, right? Uh, and definitely it's such a fun conversation and there's so much learning that we are making a two-parter. Um, so let's uh, get to our learnings for part one. Yeah, I think one of the first things we really talked about, John, was this idea of story versus truth. It's something we've talked about a lot throughout our entire podcast series with so many different people about how some of the deepest, most powerful stories are the true ones, are the ones where you can tell emotions through truth. 
how important truth is in storytelling. But John talked about how myths are more than true. It uses fantastical and supernatural elements to kind of expand and go deep on different character traits. Uh, like so many different supernatural characters are just expansions of a certain trait in a mythological way that can teach us something. And this idea of using more than truth in mythology to allow us to get a deeper understanding of our true selves and our true emotions is just fascinating. Absolutely. And we, we talked to Reed Tucker uh, about uh, Marvel versus DC and some of the early characters. I, I think that is one example where, you know, th- this type of more than true stories still exists today, if you think about it. And we've talked many times about how comic books being the modern mythology, you know, for example, Captain America, uh, which I think is created in 1940s or is it 1939, right? Yeah. Yeah, and, and that uh, emerged at the time where, you know, Nazi Germany was starting to emerge and Captain America was created as, you know, a, a cultural or a societal uh, interpretation and reaction to that uh, ideology uh, that was going on in the United States at the time. And, you know, we know for now that Captain America does not exist in our world. Um, but so that's kind of the more than true element to it, but right, it, it's a symbol, a cultural symbol, uh, a reaction to that idea. The more than true storytelling is powerful in a unique way, and we still embrace that today. And I think another learning uh, that's really uh, prominent for us is the sanitization of stories we tell children. Um, sometimes we want to protect our children from the uneasy, uncomfortable, sad, angry feelings that we inevitably experience in this world, that uh, we don't end up telling them stories about such elements in life. Um, And as John says, this could be problematic uh, because you will have to experience that at some point in your life. It, It could be better if done right, to desanitize some of the stories we tell our children so they have a way of previewing and understanding and interpreting these type of important topics, really important topics in the world. We've talked about this before, too. Uh, we talked about this with Kevin Burke when he, uh, the Emmy-nominated uh, producer who's worked on a lot of iconic children's cartoons like Spider-Man, Avengers, and he talked about the power and importance of telling stories to children because it's one of the key ways they see the world and understand the world around them. And we also talked about this with Dr. Andrea Letamendi, who is a geek and a psychologist, and it was an amazing episode. And she talked about how stories help us build resilience in a safe way because we make these uh, connections, we, these deep relationships with fictional characters, and we watch them go through traumatic events which allow us to kind of pseudo go through traumatic events as well in a safe environment. So combining what Kevin Burke and Dr. Andrea Lamendi were saying was this power in children's storytelling, that we need to tell them kind of difficult and hard stories. We need to show them this world so that they can build resilience and understand the world around them better. I think this was a great learning, Kevin, because 
it shows us right away one of the key powers and importance of authentic and correct storytelling. It's really a skill that needs to be wielded correctly. For sure, Grav. And you know, for part one, we've talked、um, a lot about stories、uh, of the ancient times, stories across different cultures. So, in the next part,、um, which is coming out next week, we will go deeper into、uh, the similarities and differences across different cultures、uh, in terms of story, and also stories about the future. So, get excited for that! Yeah, we're gonna get into NFTs, which I've been dying to get into on this show. So, part two is coming out soon. So, be on the lookout for the next part of our amazing conversation with John Booker. This has been another episode of the Linen Suit and Plastic Tie Podcast. See you next time for part two of our conversation with John Booker.